0: This is the true word of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing to us something about life in your kingdom. Thank you, Father, for what we learn from you. Continue to teach us because we would never figure this out on our own. Our minds are too focused on... um, earning things, meriting things, working hard for everything, and that has its place, but you show us that the kingdom of heaven is different. So, Father, teach us, use your word, here and now and always, for we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So who is the greatest, and how do we go about thinking about that? Well, back in 1868, when Sven Guliksen and Marta Gunders daughter left Roldal in Norway, who was the greatest in that little town up in the mountains? Was it one of the peasants who worked hard, or one of the landowners? Was it someone who had to add sawdust to the bread in order to make it go further, or? someone in one of those nice houses with full tables. What led Sven and his family to leave? To board a ship in Bergen with four of their children, to risk crossing the Atlantic, and to settle in Deerfield, Wisconsin? Who was the greatest? Well, who would be more likely, do you think, to serve on the governing assembly, the landowner, or the peasant who worked for him. Who would get the better seats in the church because in those days you rented your seats. Okay? You don't do that here, do you? Okay. Who was more forgiven? Who was more baptized? Who would be provided a bigger mansion in heaven? Who would be able to secure a place closer to God in heaven? Who is the greatest? Here and now, what is your place in the ranking? Well, that kind of focus on power and status was there in the thoughts and the words of these disciples. That was the thinking in the world around them. If you take the time to listen to Jesus it should start to sink in that he sees things differently and thinks differently than the rest of us. If you look at Jesus, you don't see any signs of hierarchy or ranking with him. Aside from God, who's above us all, our sins are all equal. Our baptisms are all equal. Our need for forgiveness is all equal. Whatever you are in the world, president or coal miner, mayor or repairman, landowner or peasant, young or old, high or low, Ph.D. or 8th grade education, if you walk in here or you walk through the gates of heaven, there is no difference in where believers rank. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here we all confess our sins together. None is righteous. No, not one. But all of us can be safe only under the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We all receive from God. So the disciples asked Jesus, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That kind of question would make sense in the military, because you have to know where you rank, right? You have to know who can give you orders and whose orders you can ignore. You have to know who you can give your orders to and who can ignore you. It would also make sense in the economy, because you have to know who owns the business and who works for the boss or for the owner. In the kingdom of heaven, that makes no sense. You might wonder, you might wonder if, your, if your house on earth is in the best neighborhood, but in heaven, it's all the best. On earth, you might consider how big your house is going to be in eternity, but in heaven, what matters is that Jesus has gone to prepare that place for you, so you know it's good. None of us are greater than anybody else. Above us, there is God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and then there's all of us, completely dependent on Him. So how is Jesus going to make this point? Jesus answered them by calling over a little child. The child was probably playing, Probably not thinking about who's greater than who, probably ignoring the conversations that the adults were having because that all seemed pretty boring to them. And Jesus put this child in the midst of them. They're in the middle of the twelve, the disciples, the inner group of the followers of Jesus, the men who Jesus would be entrusting to go and make disciples of all nations and Jesus didn't point to any of them Jesus pointed to the child here is greatness you wanna be great be like this child for the adults stop worrying about where you rank or worrying about how prestigious your position is or worrying about how much better your dwelling in heaven is going to be compared to your neighbor forget all those worries Know that God is providing for you. He's taking care of you. Enjoy his care for you. Enjoy that life that he's providing for you. Like a child living in the care of a perfect father. I've been getting, by the way, pictures. Because Karen is in Itasca, Illinois, taking care of... Uh, helping to take care of an almost three-year-old and, what, a two-week-old, and helping the parents out. So there's those pictures of Ezekiel, the big boy, climbing up the, I mean, just struggling to climb up that ladder on the slide so he can come back down. And it's fun to watch that. And he gets up to the top. I love those series of pictures. He's safe there. He's enjoying life in the care of a really awesome grandma. We have an even more awesome God taking care of us, watching over us. We can enjoy that. Who's the greatest? That, of course, would be Jesus, who you remember did become a little child for them and for us. Jesus was not going to be towering above anybody, but shortly he'd be down on his hands and feet, washing the feet of the disciples, even the one who would betray him that night. And then there'd be Jesus again, submitting to the cross, not showing us his power, but his power was made perfect in weakness, giving his life to save them. The disciples did not have to try to be great. They were already great in the eyes of Christ. They were great because Jesus came to serve them, not to be served by them. Jesus gave his life for them. What could possibly be greater than to have the Son of God himself come to earth, take your sins upon himself, and die for you? What can you add to that to make it any greater than it already is? What could you ever do to make yourself greater than what Jesus has made you, or greater than being forgiven, or greater than being sought and found, or greater than being made a child of God? So we can stop thinking in terms of our greatness and our rank. And so think of what it is to be a child of God. And remember that of all the people who do trust Christ, are just as much children of God too. Who's the greatest? Well, looking back, I can ask who's the greatest in my life. Thinking back, I learned a lot from Grandpa. But you know, I also learned a lot from my sons. I learned a lot from my teachers in school and college and seminary. I also learned a lot from working with people with developmental disabilities. None of it had to do with human rankings, but all of them a blessing. All of them equally loved by God, equally called to come and get behind Jesus and follow Him. All of them equally in the mind and the heart of Christ as He surrendered His life to save sinners. So Jesus... Answer the disciples. The greatness means being like this child. So, what does the Bible say about children? In Psalm 127, children are signs of hope for the future and are gifts from God. So, hopefully we're all joyful when you see them playing in the schoolyard or in the churchyard. In Isaiah 38, We see children don't know a lot of things yet and they need to be taught. That's why we have parents. That's why we have teachers. That's why we should keep them in our prayers. Right now, all of these wonderful children I'm looking at right now, they're learning right now. And you're blessed to be able to be teaching them. In Isaiah 3, children are not able to rule over others. There's a reason we don't have three-month-olds running for president. I wouldn't want to do that to any child. In Isaiah chapter 7, children are not able yet to refuse the evil and choose the good. In Isaiah 10, children are not able to count. Okay. A little Ezekiel, he had to show me when we were video chatting how he could count to three in Spanish. So, uno, dos, that's kind of like trace. But they learn. In Isaiah 11, children are not able to defend themselves. In Matthew 11, turning to the New Testament, God hides things things from the wise and reveals them to little children. In Matthew 7 and Matthew 15, children are dependent on other people for their care. And as a parent or grandparent, you know, we have to do things like change diapers sometimes and feed them. In Matthew 7, a child was dependent on others for healing. In Matthew 2, the children of Bethlehem are dependent on others for their protection. So, you put it all together, you know it, children are in need of protection, in need of nurture, in need of education. Children have a lot to learn about everything. Everything. And whether they admit it or not, the people of Israel were like children before God. They depended on Him for everything, to supply their needs, to give them their identity and who they are, to rescue them again and again, to protect them from danger and from enemies. So here's Jesus saying that unless His disciples turn and become like children, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, give up thinking about who's greater than who. Give up thinking about being self sufficient before God. Realize that we really have nothing in and of ourselves, but God offers us everything. And if you honestly examine yourselves in the light of God's Word, you see that this is true. This is what you'll find. So, to become like children, repent of your pride. Acknowledge your need for grace, and look to Jesus alone for salvation and for everlasting life in the family of God. And when you look around you, see that same in each other. Each of the disciples and each one of us was also the weakest, the most dependent, and the most vulnerable. So it's important to treat each other as worthy of care and compassion and forgiveness. I didn't read this part, but if you look ahead to verses 7 through 9, you might remember that Jesus said that it would be better to enter into heaven without your hands or your feet or your eyes than to be the source of temptation for other people. So it's true, there are some things that would be better to have cut off. We'd be much better off. What if, for example, instead of Parents and children being in a struggle against each other for greater power is cut that out and work together and respect each other. What if instead of husbands and wives seeking to impose their authority on each other, always getting their own way, they cut that off and instead serve as helpers for each other and submit to one another out of respect for Christ? What if everybody cuts their children present, I'll just say, ungentlemanly websites, okay? Cuts that off, out of life entirely. So those companies would go out of business, and all your neighbors would be saved from that temptation, and no one would have that influence to degrade and disrespect people like that. Or what if all of us, everybody, cut out posting those nasty grams on social media and instead use those words to build up each other and encourage your neighbor? What if you just cut off that tendency to follow the neighbor, follow the crowd, and instead walk in integrity and in mercy and in grace, no matter what, looking to Christ more than looking to the crowd? What if you cut off from your voice that really juicy piece of gossip and instead use your voice to protect your neighbor's reputation? What if instead of looking at a lot of junk that's a waste of time, you closed your eyes more in prayer? What if instead of just grabbing more and more and more stuff, you opened your hands to others in mercy? What if you use your feet to rush to help somebody in need? You know, none of those things can be done to save yourself, but that would really defeat the purpose. You do those things because you are already saved. You do it because you've been made a child of God. Do it because you've received the greatest act of mercy and compassion that's possible, knowing. That you are already a baptized and believing child of Christ, child of God, gives you a lot of freedom to enjoy life. Because sin does sap a person, saps a person's soul. But Jesus is the greatest. So go, because your neighbor needs that mercy and that compassion too. Just like you do. And to be honest, if you don't like that kind of life of mercy and humility here and now, you're not going to like heaven much either. So who is the greatest? If God were accepting applications for heaven, if he was taking resumes, what would you put down? What could you write down that would impress him so much that he'd let you in? How could you convince him that you are the greatest applicant? What would you put down for your own experience, your qualifications, your references, your character traits, and all the rest? As an adult, you probably could come up with some pretty impressive things, and you could even get some advice to get it polished up child has no idea at all what to put down on a resume what might a child answer about why the child should be allowed into heaven how about what you saying Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong they are weak but he is strong So Jesus brought a child into the middle of this conversation. And whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know us. We like to think that we're big, that we're capable, that we're impressive. We like to think that we could try hard and work hard and make things work out but father the truth is we're weak and vulnerable And father we make mistakes we need help thank you for being our help thank you that since we had not possibly do anything in ourselves to deserve you thank you father that even though our resumes would not actually be that impressive to you thank you that Jesus Christ has gone to the cross and risen up alive and triumphant he's taking care of all of that for us so while we're here keep that in our minds teach us your compassion teach us your mercy teach us your grace and teach us to be humble recognize how much we need you and father also remind us that we're here to help each other along the way teach us father to be more childlike and acknowledge that and acknowledge father your goodness for us and your strength for us and father continue to teach us what we need to know that's why you've given us the Bible that's why you bring the Holy Spirit Teach us, Father. And thank you for never giving up on us. And thank you for being a perfect father to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.